0: We are right now in the middle of what I consider the most wonderful time of the year. Of course, I'm talking about football season. Yeah, it's football season and it lasts, it keeps on lasting. It's awesome, it's wonderful, Uh, and I love football for a lot of reasons, Uh, but one reason I love it is all the, just the, all the drama that goes down with these professional athletes, these grown men babies who make millions of dollars, and they can't figure life out, and so it's great watching that, and something crazy happened this week for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, boo, yay, whatever, but I'm a Carolina boy at heart. I've got a special place in my heart since 1996 for the Carolina Panthers, and I love seeing them do well, and uh, some Something weird happened this week. I don't know if you've been following it. If you don't care, you can just turn us off. We'll get to the Bible in a second. But most of you care, so right? Okay, because you're good people. Um, and so this is what went down. So basically, uh, for years, uh, the, the Carolina Panthers have had a quarterback named Cam Newton, and he, he's Superman. That's, that was his nickname, and he kind of he's proven it. Like he's, he's, he's a good athlete. He was league MVP once. That's a big deal. He took the team to a Super Bowl. They got beat by Peyton Manning and really Von Miller, but they got beat. But it was still pretty cool. And so it's like, and when you watch his season, his career development it's been great but recently uh he was let go last year he was let go by the panthers it was a medical thing injury all this stuff it happens sad people in carolina we've been sad right cam has gone up to new england for a little while and he went off to pursue his life up there meanwhile the panthers needed a quarterback and so first, they started out with a replacement for Cam Newton. I believe it was, was it Teddy Bridgewater. Did he come in first? So Teddy comes in, and uh, he's a good quarterback. He's been in the league for a little while. He's played on a few teams, uh, but I guess it wasn't good enough. They were like, Teddy's not going to work it out. He's praying for the Broncos now, I think. So it's not working out. So then they had to get a replacement for Cam's replacement. They brought in this guy, Sam. Okay, Sam Darnold, great quarterback. He played for the Jets. Unfortunately, he played for the Jets. And so then he ends up in, in Carolina. Did pretty good, but apparently not good enough. Then something happened with Cam a few weeks ago. He got let go from the team he was playing for in New England. I will not say their name. And he, he uh, what is it? Um, but so he, he got let go from that team and uh, he's on the market. Now he's still a good quarterback. He's healed up from that injury. The most eligible quarterback in the world has no team. And guess who needs a quarterback? Carolina. Now they, they fired him, okay? <laughs> they got rid of him, but the replacement... And the replacement for the replacement didn't work out, and this past week they picked up Cam again. It's it's bonkers now. And somebody tweeted this this week, and I'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of flesh it out a little bit more. But this this is what went down. Basically, it's hilarious that the Panthers are paying Cam's replacement. They're playing the re, they're paying the replacement for Cam's replacement, and now they're paying Cam to replace the replacement for Cam's replacement. Like they, would have just, they could have just kept him the whole time and it would have been fine and they probably would have won more games. Uh, now, that is drama. That's professional sports. That's what happens when grown men get paid millions of dollars to play playground games. And we love it. We eat it up. And, and so in the sporting world, uh, there's conflict. There's drama. And it's always around the superstars. It's, never like, it's like the linemen. They're just like, they win the games, but no one talks about them. No one knows their names. But the guys who make the most money, it, there's drama, there's conflict. I bring that up this morning because conflict our word for the day is conflict we eat it up we eat it up in our sports we eat it up in our entertainment you you watch these like reality shows these competition shows and they edit in content that is conflict and it's like this week will barbara find her car keys and then it's like a close-up on barbara she's like oh no cut to commercial I gotta find out, like is Barbara gonna, is she gonna get her car keys? Like the dumbest things, but they build in the conflict to create the tension and we eat it up in our entertainment and we eat it up in our books and we, boy, we eat it up in our politics, don't we? We love the conflict, but the reality is, it's not just on the outside, conflict happens close to home. We're in this family series, Family Matters. This week we're talking about conflict in the family. You ever experienced conflict in your family? No? Don't worry. Thanksgiving is just a couple of weeks away. (laughs) You'll remember, conflict is is so real. And though we don't mind eating it up on TV, when it's close to home, it hurts, doesn't it? It stings. It's bitter. And we're in this teaching about family. Last week, we talked about identity. Identity. And I'm wondering, I gave you a challenge last week. This is a new culture we're starting, so I want to remind you, every single week, I'm sending us home with a thing to do with your life, with your, in real life, like a challenge. And last week, uh, your challenge was to intentionally use your words with members of your family to reinforce their identity in Christ. Did you do that? I, I've been really encouraged. I actually was hanging out with four different families four different times this week, or someone texted me, or I got a message from four different groups, and, 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 and four people said, hey, listen, I just want to let you know, we, I did that thing with my family this week. I was, I, I was reinforcing their identity in Christ through my words, intentionally. And I was like, sweet, is it working? And they're like, yeah, it's good. So I, I think as a, I want to I reiterate this culture as a church that we're not just going to sit here and consume information about God. Hey, we know some stuff. But it, it challenges us to do things in our life every single day, okay? So you'll have another one this week, and if you didn't do the identity thing last week, it's okay. Work on it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. This week we're talking about conflict, because conflict happens everywhere, and nowhere does it happen more prominently than in the family, because this is what family, I got this loose definition I've worked on for family for years, and the the definition is basically this, family is where lives intersect, Okay, so you've got your, your tr- traditional biological family. Your lives intersects there. But you've also got, you know, some, some different variations of that, right? And there's all kinds of different ways that works out. And maybe your family is legitimately your neighborhood or the people that you work with. These are the places where your lives intersect. And where lives intersect, there will be conflict. Why? Because we're boneheaded, selfish individuals. We want our way. Conflict happens when two people can't see eye to eye on something. Isn't that a good definition of conflict? We can't agree, so we disagree. Disagreement is conflict. How do we deal with our conflict, specifically in the context of our family? Uh, Drama over something someone said or didn't say, or drama uh, when someone's feelings get hurt, and you might have someone in your family who's like, we're constantly offending them. I don't know why they're so offendable, but we're constantly hurting their feelings. You can't say that because aunt so-and-so is going to, right? And it happens, and I'm not picking on them. I'm saying that's the reality of our life a lot of times. Maybe someone's just rude or inconsiderate. You've got that, you know, great aunt who just says whatever's on her mind, even though it really cuts you every time they say it. A lot of us have daddy issues and mama issues, don't we? And we carry that into the rest of our life. There's probably not a person in this room whose life hasn't been affected by divorce and the breakdown of a marriage. And so conflict occurs. Money. Money causes conflict. And the list could be really long. I mean, you could just spend the rest of the day making a list of things that cause conflict. But what do we do? Now, what I'm about to teach could deal with conflict anywhere in, in your, your world, okay? But I want us I want to focus in on how that affects our family, and see how we can move forward and be stronger families. And so let's take some time to look into the Bible this morning. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and flip it open or scroll down or whatever you do for your Bible. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, and we're going to be in chapter 5. Uh, i got some Bibles that you can have back at the door. There's a, 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 a gray shelf right by the door, and you feel free to go grab that anytime during the service. If you need a Bible to keep, it's yours. Write your name in the front, it's yours. Or if you just want to borrow it for the service, that's fine. Just put it back and someone else can use it next week. But we're going to land in Matthew chapter 5. Just as a a little context, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, three chapters, are three chapters of— it's it's the most most tightly packed section of Jesus' teaching in the whole Bible. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And he deals with a lot of real-life issues. I mean, very practical things. So, you know, if you just want to flip through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in our volunteer service this morning, Aaron quoted from Matthew 6. And, I mean, it's a good place to return to over and over again. What did Jesus say? And these are the things that we have collected about what Jesus actually said. And in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38, he's going to get into what I'm going to directly apply to the conflict in our life. And he starts out with a pretty old saying, and it comes from a lot of different cultures, but we also have it in the Bible. Matthew 5, 38 says this. Now, you've heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Time out. You ever heard that phrase? It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I mean, it's it's ancient law, and we get it, right? We understand that. It means the punishment should fit the crime. If you, if, you, if you slap me, I slap you. You push me, I push you, uh, whatever. And it's actually a pretty good measure of how discipline should happen and justice should occur. There's, there's, there's a whole lot of more context and stuff we could say about this. But Jesus is about to do something different here. All throughout the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus does is he says, this is what the world teaches, but I think we should raise the bar. And when it comes to our conflicts, he adds this, Matthew 5, 39. He says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. In fact, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them their own. And I don't know if anymore, any are as hard as what we're getting in these next few verses, what we just read and we're gonna read some more. You can read ahead, you can see what I mean. He's challenging us to go get some of our most basic instincts. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And what Jesus is talking about is huge when it comes to Christian living. Because what Jesus says is, Yes, this is natural. This makes sense. But I want to partner with you to put the world back together. So you need to do things differently than what comes naturally. In fact, it may take supernatural ability. So that's why we got to connect with God, and that's what Jesus came to do. So he kind of breaks that thing down. He refers to the eye for an eye rule, and it's from the Mosaic Code, as in Moses said it. And you can read about that in Deuteronomy 19, 21. You can read about it in Exodus 21, 24. It's in there. It's good stuff. In fact, it's a God rule. It's a good thing. Okay, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. The idea is the punishment fits the crime. But Jesus says, listen, we're going to raise the bar on that. And for Christians, this is what I want you to think about. Your kindness should transcend your need for retribution. Your kindness should transcend retribution. Like if you push me, I wanna push you back. But he says, I know, that's natural. But I want you to begin to program yourself to think differently. And this might be the most unnatural reaction we could imagine. In verse 39, he gives us three examples. Now we just read these, and I'm gonna go through them. But the three examples he gives us of this kindness transcending retribution uh, are are these. I'm gonna call them the slap, the shirt, and the mile okay? The slap, the shirt, and the mile. And I'll touch on a few of them, but we just heard it a second ago. Uh, The slap, okay? The slap. You know the phrase, oh, that was a slap in the face. And for many, many generations, and even in some cultures today, if if someone, if you want to really offend someone, you slap them on the face. Uh, And that's that's just the thing. And that's why we use that phrase, slap them on the face. Now, uh, in our modern civilized culture, you know, it's looked down upon to physically touch somebody. Now, maybe you've you physically touch somebody, you physically slap somebody in your day. Uh, I I have. Um, but we more often will do the verbal slap. It's the blow the belt stuff that you just say. It's that junk you put on Facebook because you're so bold and confident when you're not looking someone in the eyes. You just take shots, right? It's the thing you'll say over the phone. It's the thing you'll just do begrudgingly. Like, I'm just not gonna, whatever, right? So that's the slap. And he says, Listen, when you come into contact with another person, the slap is about person-to-person conflict, okay? These three conflicts are going to kind of cover three different areas of conflict that we have. The slap is about person-to-person conflict. The rude guy at the grocery store, the neighbor who always lets their dog come and, like, use the bathroom in your yard. And you're like, Can you, don't you have a yard? Do you have a shovel, at least, or one of those little green bags? Like, do something. This is my yard. Or you have these, these conflicts. This is the coworker that's constantly hurting your feeling. And Jesus says, listen, if you get slapped in the face, according to the eye for an eye rule, you'd probably slap that person back. And a lot of us are real proud of how quick we'll slap somebody back. Oh, they don't talk to me like that. i told them real quick, right? We're real proud of that. But Jesus says, listen, if you do that, it doesn't take for that conflict to escalate to something much more. So instead of swinging back, you ready for this? Just stand there and take it. I don't like that, Jesus. Come on. Like, I want to slap back. Clarify. We're not talking about allowing abuse, okay? If you're in a situation with abuse, physical abuse, that's not okay. We're talking about just this common conflict that we run into all the time. And our need to be right, our need to be on top, our need to be stronger, our need for retribution. He said, your kindness needs to transcend your retribution. You need to say, listen, you slapped me, but I'm not going to sink to your level. It's a hard teaching. Resist the urge to swing back. But when it comes to our conflict, if we can learn to do that, the crazy thing is if we take the high road, if we don't have to have the last word, if we decide, you know what, maybe I don't have to comment on Facebook, Honestly, they probably don't care what I think anyway. I don't have to take that shot at my coworker. I'm just going to take the high road. And then what happens there is that Jesus says, okay, this is how we put the world back together. What we've been doing doesn't work. We're going to have to do it different. It's not natural, it's supernatural. That's the first example the slap. If that wasn't hard enough to hear, he gives us another example. We're going to call it the shirt. Uh, a lot of translations call it the tunic. Uh, and so here's the idea. Uh, this had to do with like a legal situation. And so I, want, I don't want to oversimplify it, but let's say basically someone was going to uh, like sue you and part of the collateral you would give to the courts would be uh, to kind of cover your end of the, the court stuff, you would give them what I'm going to call your shirt. And in this ancient culture, you basically had two units of clothing. You have what I'm going to call your shirt, and then you have what I'm going to call your coat. That's how this translation works out. And so the coat is your more valuable garment, uh, and it's going to be the thing that's going to, you know, it's going to be your blanket as you sleep at night. It's going to be something that's really nice that you're going to take care of. And then you've got this under tunic, and, and it's, it's a whole weird situation, but they're like, we're going to hold your tunic for, for collateral for this court case. Okay, so th- that's the setup. Um, and Jesus says, listen, if it's an eye for an eye, then I'm going to do the bare minimum that the law requires, okay? So you need something from me? You need collateral? What's the bare minimum? Can I barely show up, right, that type of thing? He says, no, but that's the eye for an eye, okay? But the Jesus way says, okay, fine. You're going to take my my shirt. I'll give you my coat too. I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to take the higher level. Now, they might totally take advantage of that. He's like, this is how you reduce the conflict. This is how you let your kindness transcend your need for retribution. You say, listen, I'm not going to throw a fit over this thing. I'm just ready for it to be peaceably resolved. Now, we don't have the time this morning to talk about all the different instances that this could occur in and try to compare it to our modern day life. And that's honestly what some of these stories are good for. The Bible is intended to be read as a group. And so sit with people, talk about this thing. Like, what do you think that means? Like, how far should it take? I mean, this person's taking advantage of me. They're they're draining my life savings. Like, is that okay? No? Yes? I don't know. Talk about it. That's the beauty of God's word. Like, it's it's, it's inclusive. It's got a lot of conversation that we can have. But Jesus wants us to value peacemaking more than we value our worldly possessions. That's, to me, the biggest takeaway. He wants us to value peacemaking more than our worldly possessions. And I know how quickly we will go... straight to a fist fight over somebody messing with my money, with my vehicle, with my property. We're gun-toting Americans. I will shoot you if you walk into my property. Read that into this passage. See if you can. It's not there. So there's a big difference between being American. We're going to see in the next one. The third one hurts the worst. It's a big difference between being American and being Christian. We're not called to be, you know, uh, democracy (laughs) That's, that's not what we're called to. We're called to change the world through the way we interact with people. The third one he gives us is what I call the mile, the extra mile. Uh, this, is, this is conflict with government is the way that I read into it. Um, there was a rule. The Jewish people at this time were, were being occupied by the Roman Empire. A lot of cool, crazy politics going on. But there was a rule that if you were a Roman soldier, you could walk up to any person in a territory that you're occupying. You can say, you there, I have a bag. It has all of my gear in it. You will carry it for me one mile. You ever carried a pack one mile? You ever carried a kid one mile? Most of you have done that, okay? Like, it's, they're heavy, all right? Now, the rule was you could do it, and you had to do it, and there's really nothing you can say about it, uh, especially if you weren't a citizen, if you were just an occupied territory. They just take your stuff one mile. You had to do it. And, and the people in Jesus' audience hated that. Can you imagine hating that? Uh-huh. Anybody hate taxes? Anybody hate conversations about big government coming in and ruining our cities? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. Like, that's a, that's a real thing. Do we, we hate the conversation about any kind of government inf- coming in and infringing on, on our freedoms. We hate that. But Jesus says, listen, if they, if they tell you to walk a mile, here's what you do. You raise the bar. You say, all right, I'll walk it two miles. Come on, Jesus, you're crazy. Like, what about my personal rights? What about my freedoms? He's like, well, okay, we can talk about that. But your love of kindness needs to transcend your love for winning because we got to change the world. And the only way to change the world is to do things differently than the rest of the world's doing it. It's a hard teaching. I'm not standing here saying, like, this is easy. I do it all the time. No, I struggle with this myself. And so that's why the conversation is good, and that's why we land on some things. Um, odds are good that unless a lot changes in the next few months or weeks, you're probably not going to be conscripted by the US Army to carry somebody's pack. Uh, not in America at least, that's probably not gonna happen, but it's very likely, so let's change to a gear that you, might, uh, that you might experience like this week. You might have a boss that you don't care for, ask you to do a job that you don't care for. And there's deals, conversations you can have, but he's like, listen, they're asking you to do this thing, raise the bar take the high ground and show them hey listen you can't squash me by just asking me he's asking us to be tough (laughs) he's asking us to just make a difference in the world by making our kindness transcend our need for retribution our need to win you might have a neighbor that you can't get along with and you fight over everything and then they have the audacity to come and ask you to water their plants while they go on vacation (laughs) yeah right jerk your plants could die (laughs) no maybe i should just water their plants in fact you know what i'll mow their grass too see what i mean so you scale it to whatever part of our life that we're in you got a cousin that you can't stand but they're driving through town and they need a place to stay i think the holiday inn still takes applications Nah, man sleep on my couch take my bed you see what i mean These principles apply on all levels because conflict, and we're talking about, we're narrowing it down to conflict in the family, but Jesus is talking to a group of people. Remember, this is the Jewish people. They're some of the most mistreated people in the history of the world. He's telling them this. And look what he says next in verse 43. He said, you've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Apparently, this is something they heard it said. (laughs) You've heard it said this, but I tell you, Ready for this? You, you know it. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You know, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. God, God is the God of good people and bad people. That's what that means. And he sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, pff, what reward is there in that? It's easy to love people that love you. But i'm trying to change the world we got to act different we've got to be a different type of people he said aren't the tax collectors loving the people that love them if you greet your own people what are you doing than anybody more than anybody else don't the pagans do that jesus gets right to the point here and and i mentioned this earlier it's not popular but here's the thing and it blows my mind that the group of people he's talking to is the jewish people and, and the Jewish people throughout history have been the most per- persecuted, most hated, most stomped on people that I know of. Now, I don't know a whole lot about some other cultures. There's probably some groups in, in China and places like that that have been beat up pretty bad, too. Uh, but the Jewish people, we know, have experienced some really bad things. Also, many of these Jews are going to become Christians soon. We also know, and I believe Jesus may be foreshadowing some of the persecution and, and hate against the church and against Christians that's coming. coming. And Jesus says, listen, even in light of all that, I want you to love your enemies And pray for those who persecute you. It's a hard teaching, Jesus. It's hard. And I asked this, I think, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Was Jesus serious about all that stuff he said? Did he really want us to do that? That's what we've got to wrestle with in our own soul as we encounter the world that we live in. Uh, Now, clearly, this message could be about any setting in our life. You could talk about it at work. You could talk about it in politics. You could talk about it with your neighbors, whatever. But we want to focus in on our families. And I know that our family units don't all look the same. But you have a group of people that you associate with that you, that you consider family. Some of them you only talk to over the phone or over text because you don't live nearby. Some of them, you're like, there's a lot of them in my house. A whole lot. I lost count how many people live in my house. And they're in and out. Some of them are my, my kids' friends. I don't know, but they're my family, right? And so that's where we want to, where, where life intersects. That's where family happens. And, and where family happens, there's the potential for conflict. And when it comes to managing conflict and loving your enemies... You ever thought about your kids and your spouse and your cousins as your enemies? Sometimes they may feel that way. I heard this illustration several years ago. I shared it here actually several years ago and and, and I realized it, I remembered it. I was like, oh yeah, I gotta share that thing again. You might have wondered, I got up here on the stage with me, these two things. You recognize these two things? Um, When it comes to dealing with conflict, everyone has two buckets. What is this? Gas can. This is the one you buy because you had to walk to the... uh, you had to walk to the gas station because you ran out of gas. This is the one you buy for that, okay? And then this watering can. You like my little water? It's my personal one. Uh, I use it every day. Uh, <laughs> everyone has two buckets as you approach conflict. You've got, a, you've got a bucket full of gas. You've got a bucket full of water. Secondly, everywhere you go, there's a chance of fire. If you're not an abstract thinker, let me just paint this for you. Fire equals conflict, Okay? Everywhere you go, there's a chance for conflict. That's a fact. And it can be small things, like you come home with a bad attitude. Conflict. Or it can be big things, like what we've seen in the past uh, couple years. I mean, really decades in our country, but, but things with racial inequity and injustice and things like that, or, or political things. Like, right. And so it can be big things. It can be small things. And every one of us comes to that conflict with two buckets, with a gasoline or a water. The third thing you need to know is this, is as you approach the conflict, you get to make the choice. What am I going to pour into this fire? It's a simple picture. If you've ever poured gasoline onto a fire, woo hoo they recommend that you don't do that. Not even just a little bit. It's highly combustible. Sometimes we walk into a conversation and we're like, you know what this person needs? My opinion. <laughs> glug, 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 glug. <sighs> And the thing is, the thing is, you can do this, and guess what you can do? Win. You can win with fire. You can win with gasoline. But in the process, guess what? People get burned. People that God loves get burned. And maybe they were wrong. Objectively wrong. But you walked into the conflict and you poured gasoline on it. What if you walked up to the conflict in your life and you decided to be a firefighter. Jeremy, is this what y'all use at the fire station? Travis, you guys use this thing? I need more! <laughs> you can be a firefighter. You can choose to be a fire extinguisher. Someone who's gonna come into the conflict and say, you know what the situation needs? This situation needs patience. This situation needs kindness. This situation needs peace. If we did that, how would your home life be different? There's a conversation that blows up at the kitchen table. But you, whether you're the dad or the mom or the 11-year-old, at the table decide, I'm not going to pour gasoline on this situation. I need to take a deep breath and ask myself, how can I help bring this to resolution? What part can I play? What can I pour into this situation that will help extinguish the fire? And you know what's in this bucket? It's not just water. You know, Jesus is called the living water. A well that never runs dry. As we seek God with our life, he fills us. He fills us with so much. His Holy Spirit comes and dwells alongside our soul. And he says, listen, I can empower you to make a difference in this world. You don't have the patience to deal with it. Chris, you don't have the strength to deal with it. You don't have the resources to deal with it, but I do. In fact, my well never runs dry. What if we came to every situation and says, how do I pour God's love into this situation? Not how do I win? Not how do I make them stupid? Not how do I protect myself? But how do I pour God's love on this situation? You might need to be convinced that like, that even helps. Maybe like God's love hasn't done us any good. I'm gonna tell you. My experience is that it does. It makes a huge difference. And when I personally make those little adjustments in my conversation, Get off my high horse, stop being so arrogant, stop being so foolhardy, stop trying to prove everybody wrong, and just say, no, no, what matters here, what matters most, is that we help put the world back together through the love of Jesus. The question that we have to ask is, what is your default bucket? You know. It's really natural, because eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that this is your default bucket. In fact, you leave your watering can at home. You're like, doop, doo. doop, doop. We want some gasoline. Some people walk around just spreading this stuff. But what if instead we decide to leave that at home every day? We begin to fill ourselves even more and more with the love and the purity and the peacemaking that comes from being known by God. And we try to pour that into every situation. Today I want to zoom into our family, okay? Many times family conflict happens. It happens a lot. You might have experienced in the minivan on the way to church this morning. You might have experienced as you're trying to make your Thanksgiving plans and your sister won't shut up about you know, her cranberry pudding. Is that a thing? You're like, what are we, You're going to experience conflict. And we all like to say that family is the most important. Like what's the number one thing in your life? And you'll say family. But you know what I think is often more true? I'm most important. What's the most important thing in your life? If we're being honest, a lot of days we would say, well, it's, it's me, and then my family, and then God, or my job, or whatever. Like, and that, that house is upside down. We've got to put other people ahead of ourselves. That's like the number one message of Jesus, humility. Putting other people first. And so every week I've given us a take-home challenge. And, and what I've done is I just planted a bunch of seeds. I didn't. Jesus did. He said all this stuff. And how that grows in your house, I don't know. I trust God's Holy Spirit to let that grow. But I want to give you a challenge. I spent a lot of time kind of thinking through it, And this is where I think it needs to land. This is our challenge this week. Whoever your family unit is, this is your challenge. I'm going to do it. I want you to do it. This is it. Have a conversation with your family this week about steps you will take to be peacemakers and not fire starters. You got a two-year-old? Okay, how can we just pour into this kid? Like, if you're fighting around them all the time, what do you think that environment is creating in their brain? If you're retired and your kids are out of the house, you know, how how can I be a peacemaker and not a fire starter? You know, the way we talk to each other, parents, if you yell, your kids will be yellers. You can talk to your kids without screaming at them all the time. You can do that. (laughs) You can do that. The media that we consume. Did you know that if you do nothing but consume media that spews conflict? Look, just pick the side of the pendulum you want to talk about. And our news outlets today, if, if all you do is lock into one news outlet, guess what they do? They just fill your heart with hate for everybody else. That's their goal. Those people are getting paid exorbitant amounts of money to keep that fire burning. You're not going to fix it, okay, just by knowing all the newest things. <laughs> Turn it off because it's filling your heart with hate for people. What conversations can you have about being a peacemaker? Maybe it's just that you filter what you consume. Maybe it's the conversations you choose to have. I could do a lot of these things, but this is one, especially with kids in the room, Uh Parents, the things that we choose to talk about all the time, your kids are listening. They know pig Latin. They know the code you're trying to use. And they get it when you're always spreading gossip. And when you're always talking about, can you believe such and such and such and such? What if we decide to pour God's love into those conversations and say, you know what? It's a lot going on there, in those those people's lives that I would be talking trash about, but instead it's like, you know, I wonder how we could love them this week. That conversation is going to look different for every family, but... What does it look like for us to be peacemakers and not fire starters? And then each one of us take the take it upon ourselves to pick up the water jug and carry it with us every day. Turn the other cheek, give away your coat, walk the extra mile. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Learn to shift your natural reaction to a supernatural response. Let's pray.